Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mostly NBA Podcast. This is Michael Higgins. I'm Jacob Farrell. And I'm Matt LeVay. And as we're gearing up to go into the NBA playoffs, um, it's good to be back here talking about NBA, especially after uh, I feel like a, a lot of the country's attention was kind of, you know, for good reason on college basketball. But now we're back in the swing of things. Um, to touch on that real quick, the North Carolina Tar Heels bringing home the hardware after losing in heartbreaking fashion last year. Uh, they were able to get the job done against the uh, very tough Gonzaga Bulldogs. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good college basketball season. Uh, before we get into the NBA, you guys have any uh, any thoughts on how the tournament ended up um, kind of finishing? Yeah, Mike, it was just a really great tournament, in my opinion. Um, we got two, uh, obviously, I think just the two best teams at the end of the day in Gonzaga, North Carolina. Just a really good basketball game. Um, two really well-coached teams. Um, they both played extremely well. Not a great offensive game, really kind of a, a defensive slugfest. And um, the referees certainly caused a lot of attention in that game, but overall a great championship. And it was good to see North Carolina finally redeem themselves from a year ago. Yeah, uh, I agree with uh, Matt. Um, it was definitely a more defensive game than offensive. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, flopping and falling over, but I'm, that's, kind of entertaining to watch i wish it was a little more offensively focused though that would have made for a, a better uh game as a product but as it stands unc winning is awesome uh good to see a nice little comeback story there from last year it was also cool seeing the gators get pretty far uh to the elite eight that was very fun to watch uh, especially that game against wisconsin uh all very fun I did want to get, what was you guys' reaction when Chioza hit that buzzer beater? What, what, what did you guys do at that very moment? I was actually, um, <laughs> this is funny, I was actually in a hotel in Jamaica, so I was streaming the game online, and I don't think anybody else on the island really uh, was, a, was a Gators fan, or <laughs> had any reason to watch the game other than being a college basketball fan. Uh, so right as Chioza hit the buzzer, I just ran out of the hotel room and just started running down the hallway, uh, just yelling, <laughs> go Gators. Um, I got, yeah, a lot of confused looks, but uh, I, I don't regret it because that was, it was a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, I also have a funny story on that. Um, my roommate and I had been streaming the game because um, we didn't get the channel. We have like this bad cable lineup. <laughs> which we, we don't get that many channels so we didn't get the channel so we were streaming it online and um the stream had been just perfect the entire game and i'll tell you the exact second the stream cut out it was when the gators inbounded the ball with three seconds left so had the stream worked for another three seconds we would have seen it so we thought the game was over you know nigel hayes hits two free throws it's a it's a two-point wisconsin lead and we have like no time left and uh the stream cut out i tried to reload it it didn't work so just to make sure the game had gone final, I looked, I just searched Florida, Wisconsin on Google. And, you know, usually the score comes up right away, just expecting to see the same score except the final under it. And I was really confused when I saw that I had the Gators, uh, the, the arrow pointing to the Gators. And I just freaked out because, like, my roommate was already walking back to his room. So I was just, like, chasing him down the hallway, like, screaming, somebody hit a three. <laughs> and then, obviously, like, within... 30 seconds you know it was all over twitter so we knew what had happened we just like missed the actual thing i mean we were still as excited as if we would have seen it happen because like we out of nowhere just found out that we won <laughs> but it was it was it was funny kind of sad but you know we were just happy that we got the win got to go to the elite eight yeah so just overall a really cool season in college basketball um for all the upsets that happened uh 
towards the end of the tournament. I think it was funny that we just got a, a one versus a one in the championship with, you know, arguably the best team in the nation. Uh, well, obviously now, you know, you can say they're the best team in the nation, but arguably the best number one seed, North Carolina, winning the entire thing. So, yeah, good defensive game against Gonzaga. I think it was a very sloppy offensive game. But um, there's a lot of grit towards the end of that game that was shown by both teams, but the better team definitely came out on top. All right, so at the time of this podcast recording, we have about a week and a half until um, until the NBA playoffs begin. I think that's next Saturday. I think the 15th is when it starts. So we're about a week away from the start of the NBA playoffs, and a lot is still up in the air. Usually at this point in the season, you, you've got a lot of the seeds kind of uh, all but locked in with you know some competition uh, for like the final couple seeds. But you look at the Eastern Conference, and the top four teams are you know have separated themselves completely from the bottom. Uh, you know, remaining six teams that are in the hunt for the last four spots. So, you know, you have the Cavs, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Wizards on top of the Eastern Conference. And then sort of at the bottom of that conference, you've got about about five to six um, realistic uh, possibilities for those last four seeds that are all kind of taking turns going on streaks and, you know, both winning and losing. And those seeds have been shuffling around a lot. So right now, you know, you look at a team like Milwaukee, they – are the number five seed in the East, only two games above the 500 mark. But they're also only two games above the number eight seed Pacers. So, you know, you get the Bucks a couple of bad nights on a couple of bad nights, and they might find themselves, you know, out of the playoff race. So it's it's really interesting in the East right now because you've got, let's see, what did I say, six teams? Six, seven teams, actually, that can potentially still make the playoffs, you know, gunning for these four spots that they're all so close you know, nothing is decided yet. I, I think it's going to come down probably to the last game or two games. So um, looking at the bottom of the East, guys, you've got, I don't know, you've got, you've got Milwaukee, Atlanta, Chicago, Indiana, Miami, and then Charlotte's a little farther out. Charlotte and uh, Detroit are a little farther out. But what do you guys see that shaping up as? Because right now it's kind of just like it's a cluster of confusion. Um, so, yeah, how, how do you guys uh, – who do you think is going to show that they belong in the playoffs and who do you think fades down the stretch? Well, I think, like you said, there's just a lot of confusion. I think all the teams that you mentioned are, they kind of have equal opportunities, uh, each of themselves to, to make it. It's, it's kind of a weird situation, but that's always kind of been the East how, um, it's just a lot of teams that have what it takes, but don't necessarily show it at all times. And, with the year winding down and only a couple games left, I think it's it's going to be down to individual players to show that they want it and put their teams over that edge. So with that being said, I I feel like Atlanta is probably going to edge out and make it in there. Miami as well. But as for the others, it's kind of hard to say. I think maybe Detroit. Maybe. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just it's just kind of chaotic. I really like that point, actually, that you made, Jacob, as far as this is the time of the year where your stars show out. And so actually, right now, as it stands, I'm going to say it's going to stay where it is right now with Milwaukee, Atlanta, Chicago, and Indiana um, just edging it out for those last four spots. Just because of the superstar power, look at Indiana, you still have Paul George, Chicago, you got Jimmy Butler, Atlanta, you got multiple playmakers on that team, and obviously, Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee. I just, um, as a Heat fan, I really hope they make it, but just realistically, um, they don't steal 
they still don't have that star. Dragic has played extremely well. Waiters has played unbelievable, but obviously they've been without him for the last couple of weeks. So that's just looking at it right now. I don't see it changing, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think um, I think I could see that happening, but I think I don't know something about the Heat. I think it, I think I'm still shocked by what a run they went on to even get back into the picture. So I still think it's a possibility for them um, to sneak into one of those last spots. I do think the Bucks are in. I think the Hawks are in. The Bulls, Pacers, and Heat, I think, are the three teams that are gunning for the last two spots. I don't see the Hornets or Pistons. I think they've dug themselves um, too deep a hole uh, and to get out of in about a week. So I think, yeah, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Heat are going to um, have to fight it out for the last two spots. And I, I want to say the Pacers and the Heat are going to take the two spots. Um, I know I don't have too much faith in Chicago, and I haven't this whole year, and I've been really high on the Pacers, and they haven't really done anything to prove me right. <laughs> but I'm going to echo what both you said about star power only in the case of Indiana. <laughs> I think the Bulls do have a star in Jimmy Butler, but I think outside of that, they are just an incomplete team. I think the Pacers have um, better role players around Paul George. I think Miles Turner and uh, Jeff Teague, you know, Jeff Teague has playoff experience. Miles Turner is becoming a young stud in the NBA. I think that's going to be enough to get them over the top, at least at least in the in the next week, you know, in in the very short term. Um, so I think yeah, the Pacers gut it out. I think the Heat make a run, and I don't think the Bulls, you know, just roll over. But I think it's going to be very close. That being said, it doesn't really matter because I don't think either of them is going to survive um, a first round matchup with Boston and Cleveland. Um, I just remember. Can I say something? I have the Pacers. Uh, I have the Pacers in there for sure. Now I forgot. Lance Stevenson is back. And he's, he's back in action, and, and he's already he's already doing stupid stuff. Controversy. But, you know, uh, it's great to watch. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I like Lance Stevenson. He's just funny because he's a meme. He's a meme. Yeah. But no, I I think the Pacers are in because what you said is actually really true. Paul George is a is a superstar. There's no doubt about that. Like he's shown what he can do, especially in that uh, game they just played with the Cavs when it's a double OT. That was an awesome that game. That was crazy. That was an awesome game. Him and LeBron just dueling it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, we're looking at actually as we speak, we are streaming the Cavs Celtics game, and that has become um, somewhat of a surprise. I mean, the Cavs have played very poor basketball um, in the last month or so. They're starting to pick it up as of late, winning three in a row um, at the time of this recording. And currently have a double-digit lead over Boston heading into the half. So I think, I don't know why this happens every year with the Cavs. They can never seem to have a totally smooth regular season. Um, Not really worried. Most Cavs fans aren't really worried. Uh, Most NBA fans just know that once they get into the playoffs, it's just a different thing. Like, who knows if they're coasting right now. Um, They're definitely actually struggling on defense. But I don't know, the playoffs just seems to always obviously bring out the best in LeBron James. It's brought out the best in the Cavs the past few years. So, um, yeah, not not too concerned there, but it's kind of weird how they've had such a stretched out lapse in their uh, on the defensive side of the court. Um, like I said, picking it up as of late, I think they've realized how much they've been screwing around <laughs> and not really getting their heads in the game. Um, so hopefully, you know, they're gearing up for that playoff run. They They certainly have the experience. Yeah, I I would expect nothing less. But Boston, um, up there at the top of the East with the Cavs, they have been pretty much the entire year. For the last month, they've um, been kind of teeter-tottering back and forth between the one and two seeds. They they did finally overtake the Cavs um, several times. 
So they very realistically could snatch that number one seed heading into the playoffs. Um, they're And they're a legitimate threat in the East, and that's something the Cavs haven't really had in a few years. Even when Atlanta was really good that first year the Cavs had LeBron James back, Atlanta was never never seemed like they could truly be a threat to a LeBron James-led team in a seven-game series. And obviously the Cavs swept them that year. Um, so yeah, I think the Celtics are the first real challenger that Cleveland has had. And it could make for um, a very interesting um, Eastern Conference playoff picture. As for the Western Conference, everything that is laid out so far has been a lot simpler. <laughs> it's a lot easier to look at and just take at face value because there's not too much changing in the West. Um, the Warriors have been on a tear lately. They're ready to get Kevin Durant back and you know solidify themselves again as the premier team in the league uh, headed into the playoffs. The Spurs are right behind the Warriors, as usual, you know, hanging within four games or so. It's too late in the season for them to, uh, I think, overtake Golden State, especially the way that Golden State is playing. But the Spurs, I think this is the first time in their franchise history they've had three straight 60-win seasons, which is kind of crazy to think about given, you know, their success over the past 15 years or so. But, yeah, the Spurs, again, a solid team, a true title contender. And I think that the West actually has a third title contender in the Houston Rockets. They have shown throughout the season that this isn't a team that's on, you know, a hot streak that's going to fade into the into the distance. They've been one of the NBA's best five teams. Um, they've been better than Cleveland, certainly better than Boston. So yeah, I think those. I think the top three teams in the West are the top three teams in the NBA. Um, I think on any given night, the Rockets can beat any team. So I'm I'm really high on them right now. I also I'm in the minority. I think James Harden should be. I think James Harden is the MVP. <laughs> I think so too. Oh, that's James good to Harden. Hear. James Harden is like the alt Russell Westbrook because he's kind of like everybody sleeps on him. Nobody talks about well, people talk about him, but nobody talks about him like people talk about Russell Westbrook. And you he's know? so good, and he's, he's so damn so good. good. <laughs> it, it, like it's it's really a shame how underappreciated his because last season seasons prior he wasn't as fully rounded as a player as he is now, but to see well, him become. That, that is true. That is true. I'm sorry. I didn't let you finish sentence. Fully rounded. Because two years ago when it was down to him and Curry for the MVP, the first year that Curry won it, it, it could have gone either way then too. And actually Westbrook got himself into that conversation, I remember. Um, but yeah, Harden, that offense wasn't um, as complimentary to his game. I think him switching over to point guard under this D'Antoni offense um, with different players around him, um, not going to mention how Dwight Howard is no longer there, but I think it has really allowed Harden to reach his max potential, and he has absolutely been amazing. I mean, he's—I mean, how many triple doubles does he have? He's definitely behind Westbrook because Westbrook has—you know—he's just got the stats I think going like, every night. I think like twenty something. Yeah, and, and not to not to—it's not a knock on Westbrook. He has been absolutely incredible. It's one of the best seasons I've ever seen anybody have. But I also think that he—he he doesn't have much there. So he has a huge opportunity to, he pretty much has the green light to run that team every single minute that he's on the floor. I mean, they're trying to, you know, they're the sixth seed right now in the West. They did clinch a playoff berth. You know, that was his mission. His mission was to get this team without Durant, you know, coming off a huge loss back into the playoff picture, which he did, but he did it with, by putting that team totally on his back. I mean, he scores or assists on like all of their points. So I think it's more so necessary um, for Westbrook to be doing all that. I think Harden has truly made his team all around so much better in, in a smoother sense. It, it seems like he needs to do it less, 
but he just has these fantastic games um and he has his team at one of the elite teams in the NBA there's not there's there's no good way to say that Westbrook shouldn't win the MVP but I think just looking at their seasons looking at how their teams have done um and what kind of role they play on their team I think yeah I think James Harden has been the MVP yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, I would have to go with that same opinion, Mike. James Harden, I think, should end up being the MVP. And I've heard a lot of uh, good discussion about this lately, and some really good points have been brought up. If you look at the statistics, I mean, Rustbrook is only averaging three points more than Harden. But on the flip side, Harden's percentage shooting-wise is essentially way better than Rustbrook's at the moment. As you guys know, obviously, Rustbrook shoots the ball so much, and you know he's had a lower field goal percentage this year. And when you look at the assists, though, um, Harden is actually leading him you know, in average by a point in assists right now currently on the year and he's also assisting at a greater rate as well when you look at rebounds too in all reality James Harden has eight rebounds Russell Westbrook's averaging 10.7 essentially only two rebounds more and like you just said Mike you know they both have obviously played extremely extremely good roles for their teams they've been huge playmakers on both sides of the ball but um I think you could obviously argue that you know Harden has been most uh, the most efficient player for his team out of those two and I think people are just getting so caught up in, in the status of it being a triple-double. Just because we haven't seen that specific stat line in forever, I think people are kind of sucking that triple-double juice, which certainly the media has played a big factor of that. And I just think people have gotten so caught up in, in literally just the triple-double awe, when in all reality, if you, if you crack down the numbers, you know, it's really not that big of a deal compared to where Harden is at right now. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that too, the whole conflation of like the 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 prestige of the triple double obviously it's a feat and and to get the numbers that uh Westbrook is pulling is a feat like nobody's denying that but since he's done that uh, the triple double has become like you see it a lot more often now like everybody oh how many triple doubles did he get how many triple doubles did he get it's like oh congratulate <laughs> congratulate this player on a career high amount of triple doubles this season it's just like another stat while it is like obviously it's 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 difficult to get a triple double but it's not representative of like top tier players you can be a top tier player and not get triple doubles every night like lebron james does not get triple du- doubles every night and he's a top tier player stephen curry doesn't get triple doubles every night but he's an incredible player and all this is not to take away from russell westbrook like i'm not saying he shouldn't win i think he should win the mvp he definitely has the popular vote, but uh, yeah, the whole triple double thing is kind of blown out of proportion recently. I think um, coming off what you said, I think that saying you know there are top tier players who don't get triple doubles, I, that is true. But I I think having these triple doubles in in the amount that Westbrook and Harden have been getting them does show how good they are. I think that is indicative of how well rounded they are. But I will say. After that, I think you guys are both right. I I think, you know, the number of triple doubles that Westbrook has had has just led to like sort of this popular opinion that he is that much better than everybody because it's like he's the only one doing this. But I think you have to look at, you know, he's doing this because he has to. I mean, he is. Yeah. Who else on the Warriors or who else on the Thunder is going to put the put up those types of numbers? Like he is. Who else is going to give that many assists? Who else is going to? play as well as Westbrook does he is their playmaker not necessarily I'm not saying he needs to do that for them to win but based on how often the ball is in his hands you know when, when he's the guy that the whole offense is running through all the time he's gonna have huge numbers because he just he's trying not single-handedly to win the game 
but he's making he's putting his team in a position every time they are on offense to win a game because he the offense flows through him. I mean, he's always active. He's I mean, Matt, you said he he takes so many shots. I mean, it, it's just there's not much more to say about it. I mean, also, I think it's important to say we're not like trashing the Thunder here by saying like he's the only good player on the team. No, I mean he's not, but he's he's the only superstar player on the team. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty apparent the Thunder are not the team that the Rockets are, and I the think th- yeah, the Thunder are a good team, but they're not a playoff contender team. Yeah, and because of that, it just it just like strengthens my point. I think that Westbrook has to do more um, to make sure his team is winning and is being successful. So yeah, the triple doubles have been great, but they've also been like necessary. I don't think Westbrook needs to do more. I think he's done enough. <laughs> like I think he already does. No, it. no, I don't mean more than what he's doing now. I mean more than the average star. Because he's he's the lone star on that team. Yeah, yeah, he's been yeah on he's a team been that doing is not as the average star on a team that without him would not be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It look I mean it's like the it's like the LeBron led Cavaliers you know up until 2010 or the Tracy McGrady led Magic Hall of Fame by the way. I yeah that's why I brought it up. <laughs> Shout out T Mac favorite Magic player actually it might be Penny, but I thought it was Howard. <laughs> oh. No, Ray, Ray, Ray for Alston. Yo, Ray for Alston is the truth, though. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that I've pretty much, you know, I've said as much as I can here. I've been rambling a lot. But, like, for Westbrook, I think it's it's more of a case of these are things that he needs to do to make sure his team is in a spot to even go to the playoffs. Whereas Harden, they're a better team. He's doing it, I think, more loosely. I think it's a little less stressful <laughs> because, like, the Rockets are just... You know they've already proven themselves as one of the best teams in the NBA. So I don't know. There's I, I see both sides of the argument. You, you can't say that Westbrook can't be the MVP. Like you can't say that that is a wrong MVP. If he wins it, he's absolutely deserving. He's had one of the best seasons like ever. But yeah, the last thing I'm going to touch up on in the West is uh, the battle for that last seed. Um, before the show, Matt mentioned that the uh, yeah the first seven seeds in the West are already clinched down through Memphis so it's pretty much it's the Trailblazers and the Nuggets for that eighth seed only a half game separates them right now Um, both have been playing exciting basketball as of late the Trailblazers had been playing really really well until uh, they had uh, Yusuf Nurkic go down like a week ago and that's been a big blow for them the former Nuggets center Um, the Nuggets obviously we've seen all year they're an explosive offensive team when they get going um, they still haven't quite figured it out, but you know, a young team out there that, in my opinion, is going to take that eighth seed, and I think they're going to show people how exciting they can be while getting thrashed by the Warriors in the first round. But, um, but yeah. On this edition of the Orlando Magic or the Worst Run Basketball Organization <laughs> in America, um, <clears throat> recent insights into their summer plans have leaked online due to an unfortunate board placement and a photo of, uh, from a new player's Instagram, I believe, right? His Instagram? Yeah, it was like, it was a, the Magic signed a guy to a 10-day contract, and uh, he, his agent took a picture of him and posted it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Little, or, to, or little did they know, well, maybe they did know, hot take conspiracy. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> it's um, been a while since one of those. <laughs> There was a there was a board in the background that had basically us what is assumed to be our summer plans and our trade and negotiation plans. Uh, a lot of it didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, the most egregious thing that we've seen on that board, <laughs> I can't believe they've even they they haven't come out with a statement on this. 
but I don't know. They're probably they just did. not. They did. Yeah. What's the What's the uh, GM's name? Hennigan. Rob Hennigan. He came out and said like those aren't indicative of our actual plans. That was just like us like kind of getting some ideas together. Rob Hennigan, that's not even an idea. You need to get together. So they had um, Dario Saric on the board with <laughs> in parentheses AG question mark, which can you know is obviously Aaron Gordon. That's stupid. Rob Hennigan, you need to get out. We need to fire Rob Hennigan. I don't know what is going on. The Magic are just... It's just, I don't know if he wants to go into another rebuild. Uh, <laughs> they've been on a rebuild for like six years. I That's so unnecessary. Oh my God. He's not even like any part of the problem, Aaron Gordon. Like, what of all players, Aaron Gordon to trade off the Magic. Yeah, I mean, if they were to get rid of him, just getting rid of their two most talented, like Oladipo and Gordon in back-to-back years, it'd be pretty crazy. It's so just, it defies logic. I have, like... Earth is flat. If that's any, they're on some Kyrie Irving logic. If if it's any, like, indication of, of what the summer is actually going to be like, um, I'm not looking forward to it. But... What? Also on that whiteboard, if if you want an indication of what the summer is going to be like, it looks like you're getting your whole team back together. Cause oh, yeah, like, Ursan, uh, Serge is Sova, coming back. Harkless, <laughs> uh, yeah, he put Ibaka on there. I'm surprised Oladipo wasn't on there. Might as well get Ray Ferelson back, too, while we're at it. Yeah, just bring back Richard Lewis. Ooh, the beard, yeah. He had a goatee. And bring I- back a Donald Foyle. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're getting we're getting <laughs> okay i'm gonna throw to a break here um stick around when we come back we're gonna get into a few other sports that are uh just getting going back here with the mostly nba podcast i wanted to get into a little bit of baseball um before moving on here opening day just happened we're currently uh in the midst of opening week Really exciting to see everybody uh, back out there, all the teams competing every night. Definitely something to look forward to uh, every night throughout the season. Very long season, but it just means that summer's starting. So uh, good to have baseball back. We'll certainly be getting into that um, a little bit more as the season goes along, um, at least as long as we're recording this show before summer. Um, So yeah, it's just nice to have it back. Really excited as an Indians fan to see... Um, how the AL Central plays out, and obviously we're a long way from the playoffs, but it's just it's just nice to have baseball back. So I just want to throw that in there. Um, definitely something we'll be keeping tabs on as uh, the division races uh, start to um, actually take shape towards the end of the month as we get into uh, early summer. But I would like to now throw it over to Jake and Matt, who are going to talk golf with the Masters coming up. Yeah, Mike, we got a tradition unlike any other, as many would say, uh, coming up here in the next few days. One of my favorite times of the year. I love the Masters. Love getting to see um, golf's biggest stars on golf's biggest stage. Um, just looking forward to it. And as we're speaking right now, just a, a developing story with the number one ranked golfer in the world, Dustin Johnson, apparently hurt his knee um, coming down some stairs on the Wednesday right before the Masters begin on Thursday. So, um, you know, certainly keep a close eye on that and how that maybe plays out, maybe affects his game coming up in the next few days. Um, but, you know, certainly some people to look out for. Rory has never won a green jacket. That's certainly been the talk, you know, of his career and his legacy kind of right now of where it's headed is can Rory finally get over that hump and get a green jacket. So that'll be something to look out for. And I'm really interested to see, too, just how Jason Day plays. Obviously, his mother has gone through um, some very difficult things right now um, health-wise. Uh, just had a, a big, um, you know, a surgery on her lungs. 
um, which caused Jason Day to drop out of a tournament a few weeks ago. And it's, you know, obviously extremely heavy on his heart. And I'm really just interested to see, um, you know, how he, you know, comes out going through this hard time and how he battles this adversity. And of course, Jordan Spieth, you know, that big, um, you know, kind of disaster on the last day at the Masters last year, blowing that four shot lead. I just, man, one of the, one of the saddest moments for me personally, just looking at a collapse like that is really tough to watch just on him. Um, he's a really great guy, and, and I just hope he can respond. Hopefully that doesn't haunt him. Hopefully maybe he can get back up there and on Sunday have a shot to take it. I think everybody should be excited, though, because with the way sports have been going recently, there's definitely going to be some sort of big finish to the Masters, as big as a finish golf can have. Um, but I think there, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, there's definitely a lot of great contenders, like Matt said, each with uh, – their own, you know, adversities to overcome. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Do you have a favorite heading into the weekend, or who at least, if you don't have a favorite right now, because that's tough to say. There's so many good golfers at the moment, but do you have yeah. a personal favorite, or who are you gonna be rooting for this weekend? Uh, I've always liked Rory, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say McElroy. And with that, everybody, we're going to conclude this episode of the Mostly NBA podcast. It's been fun being back. I know I've been gone for uh, a couple episodes I've been missing, but it's definitely fun to get back into it and get back to talking sports with you guys. Um, we'll be back later on, closer to NBA playoffs time, with some updates and goings-ons in the NBA. Uh, but until then, this has been Jacob Farrell, Michael Higgins, and Matt LeVay with the Mostly NBA podcast. Mostly NBA podcast.